Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. Now, when we think about well-being, we usually think about mindfulness and relaxation. But being free from pain is, uh, we should also say, a little bit critical as well. And what many of us, I believe, are doing to our bodies, particularly in our modern office setting, is highly likely to impact your long-term well-being and comfort and experience of pain. And I'm imagining a lot of you listen to this or nodding because most of us have been there sitting in front of devices all day long. So now whether you're a believer in chiropractic practices or not, the messages today are about the impact of your bone structure on your life and why that's so important to everyone else. And I'm gonna go one step further. Executive presence is a really critical factor for getting people to receive your message. And one of the key components that I see people missing right, left, and center on executive presence has to do with posture. If you have a stronger posture, you're going to come across more confident, presenting more power, and having more influence. It's really critical. Not only that, but your posture affects your voice. It affects your mood, and therefore it is affecting how others perceive you. So for a step outside of all of our comfort zones today, we're going to talk about your spine and what you can do to make a difference. And as my guest likes to say, I've got a hundred habits that'll add a week to your life or give me an hour and I'll give you back two years. So my guest is Dr. David Rowe. He's co-founder of Rowe Chiropractic Offices and is a de developer of a comprehensive technique that they use at their offices. Dr. Rowe is dedicated to the mission that goes far beyond spinal adjustment and his 34-year-old practice vows to, quote, educate and adjust as many individuals and families as possible to enable optimal health. And he's got this tireless pursuit, having traveled millions of miles, learning and teaching his approach to health and wellness. So, David, welcome to the show. So much. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I'm delighted to have you because I know something about your passion for this topic. And I also know something about the breadth of things that you talk about. It's well beyond what we might normally think about in chiropractic services. But I got to start with your tagline. Give me um, 100 habits that add a week to your life. Where did, tell us about that. Why'd you get that title? So as any good uh, student of Stephen Covey, we began with the end in mind. I wrote the title before I ever wrote the workshop. So the, uh, I was just kind of playing around with different things. And, and we've done workshops on eat right, move right, think right, if you will, the chemical world and how it impacts our health, the physical world, posture, ergonomics, exercise, how that impacts our health, and the, the mind, uh, spirit world, and how that affects our health. So categorizing it into these three, I've, I've done workshops on all of them. So I wanted to put one workshop together that I could kind of give like, just Oh, it, uh, uh, key points to get people inspiring, inspired. And I, oftentimes our workshops, because they're so informational, it's hard to make them fun. So, you know, just we're just, you know, talking about this topic, which in a way is super inspiring, but not necessarily fun and games. 
So we, so we, I came up with the idea of doing a hundred habits that would add a week to your life. So it, it, it taxed me with the, the uh, job to say, what are the important things that would really impact and give us a year uh, additional to our life? And so I wrote that first and then I said, okay, I also have to get it done in a short period of time. Give me one hour and those hundred habits would give you two years. And that's how I came up with the thought. Perfect. And All right. We're going to put so, you to the test today. I don't think we're going to get a hundred habits, but we're going to put it close to the test. All right. I, I, yeah. All right. I have to also ask, it's yeah. clear you're, to me at least, it, that you're very passionate about these topics. What's driving that passion for you? Why does it matter so much? Yeah, I think that if I look at the state of the average person's health that comes into the office, state of where our, our earth is presently, in terms of health and wellness of individuals, um, certainly in the environment that we're in in the United States, you know, we're percent of the world's population taking over 50% of the world's drugs. So that, I just think we could do way better than that. I think of everything that is going on planetarily in terms of, of conflicts and, and problems with food and all of this, it's all linked together into one big topic of health and wellness. So in my short time and what the, my ability to impact, I think that it's a, you know, every morning I wake up and there's just so much to do and not enough time to do it. So as doctor anyway is, you know, as teacher, we are dictates that we teach our patients. But I think there's even more than that, that we've tried to create not just patients, but if you will, we create leaders. And the only way that I can create leaders in family in terms of leading by example or leaders in communities in terms of health and wellness, leading by example, is that they're going to need to, going to, need to empower them with information and tools so that they can actually improve. Yeah. Okay. And that's what drives it. <laughs> All right. Now, explain to me your belief about why the spine in particular, mm-hmm. the whole thing from top to bottom, is has such a big impact on our overall well-being. And I know there's more to it than that, but you have a very strong philosophy about how this fits into the picture. So the, the spine and the nerve system is the core foundation of our health and life itself. Every life experience we have is controlled by our nerve system. We say, you know, how what beats the heart? Your nerve system. drives your digestion, your, your nerve system. What controls immunity? Your nerve system. So the nerve system is the master controlling system of everything. It's so vital to life itself, the only system that's protected in its own bony shell. Now, the brain's protected in this very, very hard thing, especially at David Rowe, the skull. <laughs> the spinal cord is protected in these 24 bones. If we have proper posture and alignment, then it can protect the spinal cord, and the brain can send signals down the spinal cord to all the, the cells in our body and send signals back, and that's how our body stays healthy and lives with, uh, at a high level for a long period of time. But if there's any interference to that brain-to-body communication, then the organs weaken, the health goes down, it's a dysfunction, eventually disease. So from our standpoint, we understand that because the spine is protecting the nerve system, this aligns in a technical term that we call a subluxation, it actually interferes with nerve flow. So we see all kinds of 
far-reaching ramifications in terms of changes in people's health, wellness, life experience, emotions, immunity, ability to communicate, feel comfortable in their own life with changes in posture. And if we ask 100 people on the street, you know, is posture important? Everybody says, but why? What's the connection? Uh, I'm really sure, but I, but it's important. Well, we know that, and, and we know that, that even if we, how we communicate with each other, people that have changes in posture, changes in body, we view them differently. Well, it's a protection mechanism. We understand that as the body breaks down, which is typically linked to aging, but may, may not be. So these problems start in, in people at very young ages, and gravity, our biggest stress, is pulling us deeper into that pattern with every moment that we're not taking care of. So from our standpoint, we're understanding the link between the health of the nervous system and our whole life. That link is through our posture. Through our posture. All right, so if anybody was ever uh, convinced that maybe posture is something to pay attention to, this hopefully this will do it. All right. So you say, give me an hour and I'll give you back two years of your life. You've got a hundred habits. All right, start at your favorites. I want to run through them. So tell me, let's start with your top 10. Okay, so so just, just to tell you how this kind of uh, developed from, when I wrote this, the, the name of the workshop, I wrote my first slide and, and it kind of rhymed. So I was like, oh, that's funny. And I didn't purposely do it, but it kind of rhymed. So I made the slide, that one slide rhyme. And then as I started to put the workshop together, I did the whole workshop. So okay. in taking this topic that is some could be dry, and we've had so much fun with this, and the response to it has been, because I think rhyme makes people kind of drop their defenses. Yeah. And even though some of these topics that we almost don't want to approach, you know, that, that we don't want to really take a look at, I think the accessibility to it has gone way up. So I'll just read you the first And when I do the workshop, I pretend like I don't know that it's going to rhyme. So my first slide is called lower caloric intake. And lower caloric intake has been associated with longevity and you know decreasing the amount of calories we consume. And we know that. So I say, drink more water, read every label, and you're finished your meal, put your way from the table. <laughs> oh, when I when I do the first slide, I'm like, oh, that's funny. That rhymes as if I was surprised. Yeah. When I do the second slide, and now it's going to become it's called yes, natural, right yeah, natural fibers and natural fibers. People, polyester is toxic. Way worse with heat. Use organ organic cotton in your clothing and sheets. And then I'm like, oh my lord, it's going to rhyme every slide. And it's actually the only way that we could do a hundred habits in one hour. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, so that's it. So we so we're going through the different topics of a, if you will, eat right, move right thing. And we could really think about health and wellness as there's really two jobs: figure out what's toxic to us and remove it, and figuring out what we're deficient in and provide it. And all health and wellness could really be put in these two categories: that we're either missing something that we need or we're exposed to something that's toxic. And if we can first figure out what those they are and then have the discipline and the tools and the lifestyle habits to get that accomplished, then we will truly change our health and wellness. Okay. So we go through the, the process of these 
of, the, of these, and there are just a, a few examples there. Restful sleep. Okay. Uh, bedtime, wake time, sleep in the dark. Waking well rested is a walk in the park. Electronics off, far away from your bed. Perfect mattress and pillow for your neck, back, and head. Now, in that one slide, boy, there's like six things right there. But we're talking about sleeping posture, about uh, getting rid of the, the, you know, turning the electronics off, letting your body truly rest. Our body has a reparative mechanism that's going on all day long, but we really heal, we really repair at night. I think sleeping in, you know, with their Bluetooth in their ear so that they can put themselves to sleep with their favorite uh, uh, podcast, even if it is uh, outside the comfort zone, is not really the best idea. Yeah. I hope people are not sleeping, but like based on the podcast, because that means I'm doing a very boring job on the podcast. I, <laughs> I hope that's would, not the case. I don't think it would be there. No, that, it would all be right. That at all. So yeah. before you go on, though, you said that um, the right pillow and the right mattress. All right. How do I know if I've got the right pillow and the right mattress? That's a big deal. I think that's a lot the, of people are struggling with that. How do I know? Yeah. What's the right thing? So if we were to go into a typical mattress shop and they put you on one of these uh, sensors, say, based upon your weight and based upon your size, almost across the board, they are recommending a too soft mattress. And the and we still are proponents of a multi-spring mattress as opposed to a Depur-Pedic multi-spring mattress, not a foam mattress, that is super firm, no pillow top. Now, specifically, the way that a spring works is the harder you push on a spring, the more it pushes back. So it gives us the, the heaviest part of our body. It's the most amount of support. So in terms of uh, position, we would want to be in a multi-spring mattress, firmer, firmer the better, and spend as much time on our back and sometimes on our side, no sleep, uh, stomach sleeping at all. In, team, in terms of neck pillow, it's really this. From a front view, if I was sleeping on my side, I'd want to keep my head from doing this or doing this. So I want the pillow to be, have enough. So I want to keep myself neutral, have enough support in the neck, but not so generous that it pushes my head away or not so small that it lets my head flop. On your back, since one of the most important things in terms of posture is having that neck that we want support underneath the neck and letting our head go back. We can get that accomplished with either a down pillow that we scrunch up and put like this or a contoured pillow. Like in that situation, the Tempur-Pedics are a product because they are preformed. You just have to get the right size. Okay. So I want a firm mattress. Yep. You don't like the pillow top. And I take it you're not fan of all the memory foam variations that exist out there. Not. If, if, if you want that little extra cushion, I think that's the least of our topics to argue about. But super firm is going to be way okay. better. And these springs don't hold up like a mattress of, of 20 years ago. They're using an inferior metal and they get softer fast. So we, uh, the firmer the mattress, the better. Yep. Okay. All right. So the firmer the mattress, the better. And then I want a pillow that keeps my head in a square position with my body so that when I'm sleeping on my side, it's not tilting one way or the other. And when I'm sleeping my back, I'm get preserving the natural curve in the back of my neck. Which so many people have lost because of any almost any spinal change eventually 
uh, ends up that we lose that normal neck arch, that lordosis, but also with all of the forward bending from typing and the the, te- the tech neck where people are leaning forward. There's so much of this forward bending in the head that people commonly are losing that neck curve. So at least the pillow will not get it back, but at least it gives support in that direction to keep it from getting worse. Mm-hmm. You know, the worst thing we can do is a, a super for a mattress of this. Okay. On the picture, right. I hope. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you don't want it. You don't want to do that one. I get that one as well. It's um, and it is interesting how much better you feel when you wake up in the morning and your body has had a chance to relax. So I think that's I think I see that's an important part of this one. Now you said something though. I know I'm going to let you get back to your hundred habits, but I got to do something in the meantime, which is I see so many particularly younger people who are hunched at their shoulders, meaning the shoulders are moved forward as if you were hunching on a desk. And it's like they have their back is now becoming curved because there's so much hunch. And then leaning forward with your head to read devices. Are you seeing that frequently too? Absolutely. But one thing we have to be really careful with, with the topic of is that we know that there are certain common tendencies I don't really care about the common tendency. I just care about the person that's standing in front of me. Good. Fair yes, enough. we. Yeah. So, so, and this will be a crazy number, but the mathematicians are telling us that there's 128 million combos of how the spine could misalign. Ooh. 128 million different forms, what we call patterns of subluxation, and they're based upon different types of traumas. So, when we do an evaluation through posture, that photographs through x-rays our job is to find out in each individual patient what's their pattern actually kind of one of the things that makes our practice so unique is the specificity of figuring out what the person's pattern is mm-hmm. so then we can create a strategy for them to correct them. of course the the tendencies of incorrect sitting of bad sitting of of working with too much flexion but there's so many different uh, uh stressors that contribute to our misalignment that we have to be careful about just like saying, oh, this is the common modern day problem. Yep. Right, right. Because everybody, then it shows up in everybody's body in a different way. I just think an awful lot of people are not not noticing how far their posture has gone down, particularly when they're young. I mean, as older, perhaps we're starting to pay attention to the head tilt forward, but. It's a little, a little bit. A little bit of stress over a long period of time. It's it's interesting. The part of your brain that manages stress, I'm going to say that as a general thing, yeah. all the incoming stress signals happens to be the same part of your brain that manages posture. <laughs> Just imagine we got that concept. Okay. And when I say and when I say stress, I'm talking about chemical stress. There's a hundred thousand chemicals in our environment that weren't here 200 years ago. Uh, emotional stress. We've got stresses of yeah. family and inside, but also Things, you know, worried about what's happening on the other side of the planet is also a stressor. And the physical stress, which we're kind of talking about, about what's my sitting posture? How do I bend? How do I work out? What's my bed like? What are my pillows like? All of these, if we what we talked about before, eat right, move right, think right, the chemical, physical, and emotional world, those stressors affect the cerebellum, and the cerebellum controls our posture. So we could say that our, that long before stress changes our blood pressure and long before stress changes our cholesterol, everybody knows it does, changes our posture. Okay. 
And that's the driving force that had why why these stressors, these problems in lifestyle, will drive the the misalignment that causes the stress on our nurses. Right, right, right. So you certainly see this as a perfect circle here. Okay, all right. I took you on a deviation to talk okay. about no, posture is- and sleep and mattresses. But before that, you had said, we need to know what is toxic to our bodies and do less of it, and where there's the deficit and do more of it, okay? I'd say that's really, if we get that one, that's really the whole answer, yeah. And those those stressors of either being deficient in something or being exposed to something, and these are true in thought, movement, chemistry. Okay. You know, yeah. And so we, you know, just take it to a, to a diet. We is the, if we know. Let me ask you, Wanda, what does the lion eat? Sorry, what is who? What, what does a lion? You know, rawr, a lion. What does oh, a lion, lion eat? eats uh, meat. Yes, animals. That's right. Yes. So if I took a lion and I gave it the best uh, organic produce, I it was a perfect vegetarian diet. But it was great. It was grown in awesome soil and it was per- perfectly picked. How would the lion do? Not very well. That's right. And eventually he'd get diseased and die. On the flip side, what is a giraffe? Tree leaves. Yeah, yeah. So if I were to give that, that giraffe free-range meat and wild fish and the, the greatest omega-3 fatty acids, it would also get sick. Well, all species have an innate diet, and we do as well. And if we deviate from our innate diet, we get dysfunction, disease, and eventually a premature ugly death. Okay. So in the in the figuring out what we need, making sure that we get it, and avoiding that which is toxic and, and pushing that away, how we create the greatest not just survival but actually thrive, which is okay. really what we what we're what we're, we're looking, looking for. What we're looking for. Well, I think about this in terms of from a leadership position. Um, a word we used to use a few decades ago describing a leader, we would say they have stamina. I think today we might say resilience, but the concept, at least as it was used, is the notion that the person is mentally, physically fit, ready for action, can take a lot, um, and their body can tolerate a lot because there's going to be a lot of pressure on them, particularly as they rise in the very senior ranks of these larger organizations. And we used to uh, kind of get an assessment for that. What you're saying here is how do we put all of the pieces that we know to increase every person's stamina? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. One thing we know is we will have times of crisis, yeah. and and our and our health will get it will get challenged. If we if we learned anything from the last three years, is that people that were already predisposed in terms of their bodies being weakened did way worse from the virus than those that had a stronger constitution. And there's all kinds of factors in this, but that was really clear. Uh, health and wellness is not the, the test you can for. It's creating the lifestyle, the true resiliency, so that when we come into crisis, and that could be when a, when a leader comes into business crisis or, a, or a, a family leader comes into a family crisis, do we have the reserve, the reservoir? But if every day we're constantly drawing from the reservoir and that reservoir is getting tapped out, eventually there's nothing to draw from. So the message is always to first figure out what it is that we need. That's a big topic because there's some 
There's some conflict in conversations. I'm not sure that there's really conflict in information, but there's conflict in conversations about what do we need and what is toxic. I don't think anybody's uh, debating whether a cigarette is toxic. We could all agree on that. There could be some conversations about what dietary uh, things may be toxic or, or maybe creating sufficiency. But we know most of that now. And if we can create first the understanding, the knowledge, and we go back to the first thing about why are we impassioned to teach people? They've got to have the information. Then the lifestyle, lifetime discipline, that's where we build the reserve to have the stamina. But when we're when we are challenged in times of have that ability to to draw something and to draw from to be as strong as possible. Yep. Right. Right. Okay. That makes a per- perfect sense to me. All right. I think what I want to do from now is um, it's about time to take a break, but what I'd like to do in coming back from the break is to talk more about the habits that are particularly around the movement side. Like what is it that can we can do in the movement that's going to keep our spine aligned, that's going to keep our health, therefore, going in the right direction. And I agree with you. There's diet and there's toxicity and there's deficits and all those need to be figured out. But I'd like to kind of concentrate on the movement and the spine and the body. That's okay. Perfect. So great time for a break. With me today is Dr. David Rowe. He is the co-founder of Rowe Chiropractic Offices. And as you can tell, a passionate educator who likes to inspire patients to really live their best life for the longest time possible. As he said, 100 habits that'll add a week to your life. We'll be right back. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadership-forum.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, helping organizations get it and keep it. Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive, all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program 
at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Dr. David Rowe. We have been talking about how one hour with him is going to give you back two years of your life. Um, and all the habits, I think, is the more important thing. And the big thing, big story here is that it is important to put our bodies and our minds and our well-being at the forefront so we are ready for whatever the next crisis is going to come along. Now, it's easy to say body and mind is, oh, well, I sleep well. Yes, that's important. I get some relaxation. I get some exercise and I eat well. Yes, of course. But we've also been focusing a little bit on the spine and keeping the spine as the housing for the central nervous system in the right shape and fit for purpose, because that's going to help boost all the other good things that we're doing for our health and well-being. So, David... Um, we were talking earlier about the kind of posture habits that I see so regularly in my part of the world, working with people who are in offices. Are there general things that someone should be doing to keep their spine in good health? So I would always answer that with yes, but it's it's specific to the individual. But okay. just to give you so so going back to this concept of patterning. Different since the misalignment, the subluxation is the scientific term used, the changes in posture that's affecting the nervous system. Since the, the individual's posture was created from their individual life stress, then the first thing we have to do is to figure out what is the pattern. So on the simplest thing, if somebody's had a trauma that translated their head like this, for me to have them if for me to have them and this is my right, that to, to do 10 on the on the right and 10 on the left would actually keep them right over here. But if I identified the misalignment and had them exercise only opposite of that, then they'd end up back in the middle. So everything begins with a discovery. No architect is going to help you fix up your 100-year house or your 50-year-old house without first finding out where your house is right now. So we do, we do a thorough discovery exam to find out what is the pattern. And then we give each individual a pattern of correction that goes opposite of their pattern. There's just as many people that have their head and cage full as people that have their cage extended in their head full. And these are dealt with very, very differently based upon the misalignment. So we'd say, say what's the general conversation? It's care for your spine from birth or lifetime. Now, it's... I don't know this. I mean, the dental profession right now, the average dental checkup, the first dental checkup is within six months of the immersion of the first. The average chiropractic checkup is 32 years. When there's a problem, usually. That's exactly right. So hats off to the dental profession. Has, they've done a phenomenal job at educating the community, community on dental hygiene. We've got every kindergarten teacher and, and mother saying, Brush, floss, and see the dentist. Bravo. Fantastic. We all know that posture is important, but people wait until they're in true crisis, until that reservoir has tapped out, until they typically are saying, okay, it's time to check. And there's no tear-off sheet that I say, oh, these are everybody's 
physical therapy exercises to do it. Right. It has to be tailored based upon what their problem is so we can get them. Then once we're corrected, then we the answer is we move symmetrically in all parts of our body in all ranges of motion. But okay. it could actually be problematic to do that if you're asymmetric because uh-huh. half of the movements are pulling you deeper into that. So That's if I tricky. try to put this in my layman's term, um, if oh, my body that didn't work isn't, uh, <laughs> isn't aligned, then I am twisted in one way or leaning sideways in another one. I know my habit is one shoulder tends to go up a little bit more, and that makes a whole bunch of misalignment. In order to start back to a neutral position where my spine is in its best position, I've got to correct the opposite way so that I strengthen, balance, get myself back used to that midpoint, and then I want to move symmetrically at all points. I think we would all, yes, absolutely. I think we'd all agree. Before we can live a a longevity of a healthy life, we have to get help. So the first order of business is figure out what the pattern is and then correct it. And we could even take this to... What's their dietary tendency? Everybody, you know, some, not everybody comes presents with the same problem. What is their emotional tendency? Not, you know, one person might need to work on forgiveness, and another person, you know, self esteem. You know, it, it, you have to take each person from where they are. It's interesting. Our neutral, our our thrive is actually the same, but how we've deviated is very different. It's different. I got it. I got it. That says, you know, in some ways, what you just said is a perfect explanation for why coaching is so effective. My practice, not yours, (laughs) that it's individually tailored to the individual's set of challenges and their predispositions. And so the solutions are often quite different depending upon the individual. Same kind of idea. But but would would you agree that when you see effective leaders, they share certain, when they're at their best, they share a lot of similar qualities. A lot of similar qualities, yeah. When they've denigrated, when they've fallen out, they can go in a lot of different directions. They can go a lot of different directions. That's exactly <laughs> right. They're going to be a lot of stuff gone wrong, but when we've got it all working smoothly, it looks very similar. I think that's absolutely true. Okay, so can you give some examples um, from patients? Obviously, keep confidential information appropriately <laughs> confidential. And just to describe what the process looks like, how long does it take, what people, I mean, how does this all work? Yeah, so um, so you, you know that I do workshops in my office. And yes. so I'm, I'm teaching a workshop and I've got a mixed uh, uh, group. There's some, you know, there's a young couple there with their two uh, adolescents. There's a couple of uh, young, you know, people that have just gotten out of college that are saying, you know, hey, I'm, I'm starting to earn some money. I want to start to take care of my body. And in the back, there's 83-year-old Harry. And I give out at the beginning of my workshops, this one specific workshop called Better Results Faster. We give out a 30-year health goal. I'm like, where would you ideally, if you project in the, more, in the future, where would you want your health to be in 30 years? So I give out the goal, and I'm, people are filling it out, and they're talking to each other about their life's uh, aspirations. And Harry's looking at me like this. With his head I sideways, go, yeah. Uh-huh. He's like, very annoyed. So I'm like, I'm like, Harry, what's up? He's like, ah. I'm 83 years old. I've got prostate cancer. I've got I'm riddled with arthritis. I've got cardiovascular disease. You're giving me a 30-year health goal. He's like, if I live two years, it'd be a miracle. So 
And so it wasn't the inspiring thing, you know, like Harry still wants to write a book. He's in survival mode now. Yeah. They're very different. So I'm like, okay, all right. So if you could live two years, what would you want to get accomplished? And he's like, how about die with no pain? Once again, not the most inspiring thing from where we were standing, but very understandable about where he is. We're going through the workshop and he's taken his clipboard with a 30 year health and tossed it under his chair in, in disgust. <laughs> and as we're going through the workshop, I see him reach for it. And he is riddled with arthritis. arthritis. So when he moves, everybody in the room has, is kind of aware of it. He starts writing feverishly some things on his notes. Now, patients' goals are their business. My goal is to help them achieve their goal. But one thing we know is when people lose their good health, they only have one goal. They, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's writing this down. So I so I asked him about it and he's like, you know, maybe it's too late. But what if I started today and started to work on my spine, my nerve system, my health? Maybe I could set a legacy for my children, my grandchildren, my great grandchildren. As a true family leader, he's like, I spent my entire life working, building a successful business, just taking care of my family, never took care of me. That's why I'm in the situation I am. So it's interesting, like he's like, okay, this check is for my daughter to get care. And this check is for my, I told my grandson, I was buying him a, a Mustang. He's getting a Toyota, but he's getting his spine checked and correct. <laughs> you know, so as a true, true leader, like a, a true uh, fraternal leader, you know, from the, leading from the front. And as he worked and he basically passed those two years, he eventually, you know, he passed six years later, but he worked on his health and wellness even with all those health problems. Because one thing about the body is the body is self-healing and self-regulating. And we are it's built into us to be able to have the ability to repair. But we repair through our nerve system. And the reason why people can't repair, and they commonly, we watch their health continue to get worse, is because of the stress of the nerve system. Okay. So in the Harry story, I always think about it that we, you know, we think about David Rowe's not smart enough to know how much a patient can heal. It's the person's body that, you know, the innate God-given, nature-given healing capabilities. But we heal much better and much more thoroughly if we can the nurses. And this we see over and over. A patient comes in with low back pain, and as we're going through the discovery process, they also have a, a problem with their menses, or they have a problem with digestion. And when we the, we fix the spinal subluxation, the posture, their organic problems improve as well because those organs are controlled by the nerve system. So when we don't treat in chiropractic, we're not treating the symptom, we're correcting the cause because the body's so smart, it will heal itself, provided we can actually change it. And it's not just like somebody says, I'm under care, but does that mean that I'm actually getting it corrected? So the focus on specifically looking at each patient individually and say, what is their pathway? To what do they need in order to create sufficiency in what's missing or get rid of the toxicity in all those topics that we discussed? And as they correct their subluxation, as they reboot their nerve system, the body can repair. Amazing how many people come into our office with so many health challenges that when they correct the cause of it, their body is self-healing. And that's really the beauty of the whole thing at any age.
Right. Right. Okay. And granted, we get all sorts of diseases and all sorts of things that are much more complicated, but I can certainly see why taking care of the spine is gives you your best defense against whatever else is coming at you in life in general, whatever crisis that is. And, and once again, we, you know, we're not just trying to, to survive this life experience. We're trying to thrive uh, and contribute. You know, and I always say to patients, when the oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself first. Right. Why? You could be of service to others. You can't be a service to others if your body is breaking down. And one of the things you said, I think, so beautifully at the beginning was that how do we concentrate? How are we the best example of ourselves in a leadership position if our body is breaking down and all we can think about is about us? Because when you're in crisis, no pain. survival, everything turns inward. In abundance and thrive, everything looks outward. And then we can then we then we can be the best version of ourselves. Okay, so let me roll you fast forward. Let's assume a patient has come to you. You've diagnosed what the problem is. You've given them exercises to correct that problem. You've worked your magic and they're now aligned. Yes. Okay, what are the habits that person then needs to do going forward? You said they need to move symmetrically. Are there other habits they need to do? It's, it's once again, I'm going to go back to the, one of the first things of that eat right, move right. If since we know the subluxation is driven by the stressors of our life, the patient that responds the best is those is the patient that fixes, fixes the misalignment that they have and then creates a, a, a lifetime lifestyle of maintaining that correction, but of also eat right, move right, think right. Do I manage my issues of forgiveness? Do I eat the right diet? Do I have a daily exercise and movement routine? Do I critique my pillows and my bed and my and you know the plastics in my kitchen and 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 the polyester that people wear or the synthetic fibers and the formaldehydes in the carpet? The more that we can reduce the incoming stress, the better that our final correction actually hold. Fuck, it seems so ethereal. You know, there's no question, the patient who's smoking, they will respond slower to care, and, that, and that's, I'm using the extreme example, they will respond more slowly to the care, and they will re, they'll fall back into their pattern much more rapid. The patient who has found a, a life of E-right, move-right, think-right, will hold their correction, they will correct much faster, and they will hold it and get the greatest benefits throughout a life one of the things you know got to go through correction there's no way to way out but through but really what we want for all of us is just a lifestyle of lifetime wellness that's really what we're trying to get to but i think we'll all agree you can't get to a healthy life till you correct problems that you press i agree so you yeah you can't take someone who is not eating an appropriate diet and take an extremely inappropriate diet and think that you're going to get them from that to wellness. They've got to correct the diet and correct the problems they've caused from that diet. And then, but the same is true for the posture, correct the problems and then stay on the right path. And that's exactly. And, okay. and the body is amazing. And it, it, it is so, it's, it's so resilient. We are built in an amazing way. We're, we are overbuilt, if you will. Yeah. And so that's why we can, people are abusing their bodies in, in profound ways and they're still getting away with it. 
for a period of time. Now, if we can first correct what's there, with the problem that is that from not being in a, if you will, chiropractic lifestyle, not being in a, a, a lifetime lifestyle of caring for ourselves, first correct what's in front of us, and then fix the lifestyle, how the body does beautifully. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. So let's tick off a couple of other things that people ask. Um, if you're recommending, let's assuming I'm doing my job to keep myself aligned and I'm doing yep. the healthcare I need for my spine. Is yep. there a chair or a sitting posture or, a, you know, how about the workstation? What can we do with that? That's going to keep us moving symmetrically. So the, the first thing, so let's assume that we're looking at one monitor first. Okay. So the center of the eyes in upright posture, in normal in normal right. posture where we've established the normal curves and are and from the side view normal is the center of my head is over the center of my cage is over the center of my pelvis a 300 percent more pressure when we're sitting than when we're standing so sitting posture is really important but if i had one monitor i'd have the center of my eyes to the center of the monitor okay. if there's two monitors we go side by side because it's a lot easier for us to work like this Side but side, one yeah. of the worst things that we could do is working on the laptop where we're looking downward. So, be, so you're constantly taking that neck curve away and reinforcing that common modern pattern of forward bend. So we keep we get ourselves in the best upright position, a chair that's supportive to our lower back that maintains the lumbar curve, keeps us upright, keep our eye middle of the eye to the middle of the monitor, and that's our best. I use a headset always on, you know, I'm still old school. I'm using a headset when I'm, when I'm working uh, on any kind of a lengthy uh, phone call. If I'm, if in, I'm not using Bluetooth, except, you know, like in the rarest of occasion, I'm trying to manage the electronic uh, magnetic field of my life. Posturally, I'm keeping the center of my eyes straight ahead. Okay. All right. Now, keyboard. Right. Okay, so, so moving away from the spine, so and the keyboard. Tell us about that. Where does that yes. need to be? So if the if the if the center of the monitors, this the, the keyboard at normal height, uh, desk height level, so that I can keep my shoulders down. So you can't really work on a, on a laptop and you know be up here. Or if the laptop is down, then you're working you know down like this. Then forward, yeah. So I tell people that are forced to work on laptops regularly, you know, remote keyboard keyboard at desk level and bring the laptop as a monitor up on several reams of paper or on a few books so that you're looking straight ahead to mm -hmm. separate the keyboard from from the monitor mm -hmm. in a typical desktop situation we can we can manage that much more easily right 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 all right and then what about chair height this is one i struggle with all the time getting my chair so my elbows my shoulders aren't up or in a weird position the vast majority of chairs are too low. Like you think about the extreme, the typical modern couch. Um, in proper sitting, we have our knees below our pelvis. So if okay. we're thinking about a car seat, most people are sitting with their car like with their seat. With a seat yeah. back. Yeah. That's and then right. their right. knees up. And we're gonna actually bring this, we're gonna bring the, the knees below the pelvis and the and the back more up and keeping that little curve in there to keep the, the lumbar spine position. So in most modern cars, they'll have that lumbar uh, support. Right, right. Get upright, the lumbar supports so that, so that it's curving like this to keep your body. Okay. So sitting is 
super important. If that, if you 300% more pressure on that disc sitting than standing, we've got to keep ourselves in that upright. See that the average Westerner presently is sitting for 34 years of their life. 34 years of your life, you will be chained to that chair. If it's not the correct position, it is, it's like the modern day salt. It is, you know, it's really detrimental. But if we can keep ourselves in a correct upright posture, we do fine. We yep. do fine. Okay. Yeah, we do fine. Yep. All right. So chair higher so that my elbows are at desk height. Yeah. So shoulders down, chair high, cage up, okay. eyes over the over the horizon. And I'm going to say this again, knees below pelvis. And the knees below allow us to keep ourselves upright. Once the knees go high back into our model here, like in a, in a soft couch, then it's impossible to keep your cage upright. You're naturally going to be dropping. Dripping. If we okay. go knees below pelvis, it's much more easy. It's much easier. All right. Which tells me why I so like a kneeling chair. For those who don't know, it's got a seat and then a place for your knees to go and it drops it down below your pelvis. And I have to tell you, that is the most comfortable seat I have ever found. Yeah. So, so the, the original balance chair, the original Scandinavian balance chair, they were able to, uh, to patent the angle of yeah. that relationship of knees to, to seat. And they and it it is still a great tool. So if you had several options like a, maybe a versa desk, you know, a standing desk, a ball there to sit on some of the times, a Herman Miller, you know, the old style Equichair was preferable to the modern Aeron, but they're still both good. But like right now I'm sitting on an Aeron, I'm sitting on the front six inches of the chair. I'm just using it as like a tiny little stool to keep myself upright and I'm holding myself upright in this you know, situation because then I can dictate my posture as opposed to the chair dictating my posture. Right. right. That's what I find with a modern desk chair. And I have a lovely modern desk chair here as well, is that I never end up sitting all the way back in the chair. I'm always sitting on the edge of the chair. So but I don't um, think that's bad at all. And I'll pull back into the chair more for contemplation, you know, uh, as I'm, thinking about what I'm going to work, but if I'm going to work, I'm literally perched, knees below pelvis, body upright. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, presumably when we're doing things like watching TV or Netflix or whatever your other favorite thing is to do for occupation, you still want to keep that screen at eye level. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. So the longer that, that, that work time, the more important the posture is going to be. Now, when people walk into my apartment, the first thing, that, one of the things that they'll notice is our my couch is higher. I actually had it custom made so that it would, you would sit on it, and I'm I'm six one, so it keeps me gives me the, uh, the fighting chance. But I, my TVs in the house are very high, so yeah. if we're if we're lying on the couch or we're sitting there, you have to look up so that you're trying to avoid the tendency to do sinking this. back. And yeah, even if you're laying in bed and you're you know in a total like it's you know. Time to just chill out and I want to watch something. One pillow behind the head like this and the TV high enough on the opposite wall that you can actually look up and you're not looking across your body, you're looking up. So there's some right. strategies in having the modern day, uh, you know, lounging experience, but still protect your spine and protect your nervous system because you set it up. Right, right. Okay. David, what a great conversation. I love this. Let me ask you my last favorite question, just because I ask everybody this one. What takes you out of your comfort zone and 
what do you do accordingly? So, you know, I, I say yes to so many things that, you know, I'm going to have to easily live to be 130 to get them all done. You know, so I mean, that, you know, that's if I don't say yes to anything more. So I'm, even though I'm maybe conservative by nature in some ways, I, I, I because I keep saying yes, so I'm constantly pushing myself out of comfort zone anyway. If I do it anymore, it could get dangerous. <laughs> so, so, you know, us managing an organic farm, a chiropractic practice, a couple of different architectural projects, you know, that were constantly. So I'm pushing it because just because life is exciting. And, and, and I feel, you know, blessed to be at this time in life with these, you know, God-given skills and the family that I have. And just, you know, we feel blessed. So we keep pushing it to get as much out of it. I'm afraid, one, if I get out of my comfort zone anymore, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so then the secret to you for being out of your comfort zone is just keep going. Whatever you're doing, just keep doing, oh, I think, I'm, is the answer. I'm deathly afraid of stopping, you know, just, you know, <laughs> because I, I have always said that in this work, all body is an absolute bump. So I just, yeah, so I just, we wake up and we say yes to the next thing, try to contribute, try to have fun, um, and, you know, not take ourselves too seriously in this in this process of trying to continually improve. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Eat right, move right, think right. Lots to do in each of those. A hundred habits. We didn't get very far down your list of hundred habits, but we can recommend your seminar for people who would like to come and attend. But the important thing I think for me is to recognize how critical that posture is to overall well-being and to do everything we can to get it both aligned, not out of the wrong pattern, avoid those patterns, get it back central, neutral, and then try to maintain that to move symmetrically, as you said. So David, lots of great advice. Thank you for being a guest today. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I think it's such an important topic and one we don't talk about for leadership. We should. Anyway, thanks for joining us today. If you've liked this episode, please like us on your favorite podcast provider. Certainly tell all your friends to tune in. And we'll see you next week for another episode in Getting Out of Your Comfort Zone. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week. 